You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. What's up, guys? This is so wild and fun, and I just like, um, if if you know me, you know this stuff's just fun. Um, I also got an email that my um, deactivated QR code got 10 scans and I need to pay to reactivate it, which is funny. Um, so I don't know, it turns out like it doesn't matter. You don't need, need to know the details. Okay. Um, all right. This is perfect. Okay. We're in a classroom. Are you guys ready for a pop quiz? This is like perfect. Okay. Do you guys know who this is? No. Mario. Next. Mario. Link, next. Kirby. Kirby. Another one. One more. Okay, this was an easy quiz. The group is a group project. You got 100%. Congratulations. Um, okay, I have... Um, this, uh, this, it would have been fun to have the kids in here because they, like, they would get excited about this. I, we have at our house been playing Mario Party with my kids. Um, it's so much fun. Like, it's easy gaming. It's like one-handed controls. Um, even adults who haven't played video games can learn video games this way for the first time. Um, and so we've been doing this, and it's really fun. Like, I love introducing my kids to this. These are all characters from a brand. You guys know the brand, right? Nintendo. Okay. Totally shifting gears here. Something else that I've really enjoyed sharing with my kids uh, is another kind of game, like physical games. And so um, we've been, we have lots of board games and card games and things like that. And so recently, Ava discovered that she can play card games that she knows, like that have very specific decks, like Old Maid or Go Fish, with just a regular deck of cards. Okay. Now, I don't, whoop, that's, all right. Well, the cookie just went away because uh, I forgot to do, mark the slides because we had a crazy morning. Um, I was going to talk about these cards. I was going to say, do you know who made these cards? The Nintendo card company. Do you, do you guys know this? Nintendo has been a company for, since 1889. You guys know this? 1889. Before the transistor was imagined, before maybe it was imagined, I don't know. But like, by, probably by somebody here. Um, anyway, um, Nintendo started as a card, a playing card company. And, and I, I was like, this is so, I, I was looking for an analogy for today, and this was perfect. They started as a playing card company. And they have done a lot of things. I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, they have tried forays, forays into instant rice, into hotel rentals by the hour. We won't get into that. Um, taxi cab services, vacuum cleaners, and then manufacturing like other board games. Did you guys know this about Nintendo? Michael did, for sure. But... Um, the rest of you, I did not know this. Like, I'm like, I love Nintendo. Like, they, like, epitomize, like, video gaming to me. Like, the fun of video gaming. Like, oh, if I want to shoot somebody, I'll get an Xbox. But if I want to have fun, I'll get a Nintendo system. Um, and so Nintendo, they, in 1984, almost 100 years after they started as a company, they brought out the Famico. Um, or, as we know it is in America, the Nintendo Entertainment System. They, who, who has an NES in their house? One person, great. Two, okay. How many of you have like a Nintendo Switch in your house? Okay, a few more. I was hoping more, but that's fine. Nintendo has been a video game company for the last 30 
say eight years. I can't do math. 38 years. Um, but they did not start that way. And they've been through a lot, right? They went through two global wars. They went through nuclear bombs being dropped on their country. Uh, they went through a ton of stuff and they continued on and they changed who they were over time. Um, but in some ways, all this taxi cab work and instant rice, they stuck true to who they were. A, a company that helped people have fun, right? From playing cards to video games. But they also were willing not to stick in what they knew, but willing to move forward. And so in an era when the Xbox and Halo had come out and the expectation for better graphics and DVD players right in the machine came out, Nintendo said, nope, we're going to introduce the Wii. Okay, the Wii was super impractical um, in a lot of ways. Like it, did not ha- it didn't play CDs, even though it had a CD drive in it. It didn't play DVDs, it didn't do any of that. But it had this innovative control system, right? The handle, the, the thing, the, the, the remote. It is Wii remote, not Wii mode. Don't say Wii mode, that's wrong. Um, uh, and oh my gosh, it was so much fun. We still, do you guys still play Wii sports to this day? Anybody? Yeah, it's so much fun. Nintendo captured this fun and they were willing to, much like us today, pivot based on what they saw as an opportunity. Not as the world as they saw it, but the world that could be. Okay? Let me tell you about a completely different company. Can we do the next slide? How many of you have been in a Blockbuster video? All right, most of you are older than 30. Um, Some of you have been in it. But like, Blockbuster video um, was like the thing to go to, the place to go. On a Friday night with your report card and your A in hand so you can get the free movie, you got to walk the ring walk around the outside to get the new releases. You didn't have to go to the middle and get the dollar movies. You got the $3 movies on the outside. It was exciting because of that report card. Like going to the movie store and picking out a movie like brings out some nostalgia for some of us, brings out frustrations for others of us. Um, Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy a little tech startup called Netflix for $50 million. And they said, nah, that's too niche. We don't need that. But right now... You know Netflix, and there's one Blockbuster in the world left, and it's an Airbnb. Okay, so Blockbuster saw a changing wind and did not change. Nintendo has seen plenty of changing winds and has been willing to change. And so I think about this, um, it seems like a funny intro, but the reason I wanted to bring this up is because when a business sees change, a lot of times it comes from something big in their industry and it can feel like a crisis. I imagine, J.D., you work in startups, like when a little wind blows, it can feel so intense. And these crises moments, they're like a crossroads for an organization. They are, are we going this way? Are we going that way kind of things? Um, and I don't think it's that different for us personally, right? When stuff happens. See, Maddie? Um, Guys, I love today. I love it so much. Um, so l- let me stop talking about businesses. Let me talk about us. What happens when the hard thing comes? You don't get the grade you expected. You didn't get the job you wanted. You lose a family member. You discover you have a chronic condition. How do we respond in the midst of crisis? Well, today I want to look to God's word as my shoes untied, um, to talk about a moment of crisis for God's people. See, 2,000 years ago, we're getting closer and closer to that like actual 2,000, like even years ago, uh, Jesus 
was executed on a Roman cross. Killed. His followers were scattered. And if I were one of those people, I'd think, where'd Blockbuster go? Um, where, where'd this thing that we had our hope in go? Where'd the direction, the vision, the thing we expected, where'd it go? We thought it was going this way and it went that way. And so these guys, these, these closest followers of Jesus decide we're gonna do, get together one more time. It probably feels like that, like one more like meal before like you graduate college and you all separate. Like they probably felt that like, well, I'm gonna go back and be a fisherman. Well, maybe tax collecting, but like more ethically this time, like let's see what we can do. Like they didn't know what to do next. And so they got together in an upper room and they locked the door because the change that had come had terrified them because the man that they followed had been killed. Why couldn't they be killed? Now, we know the end of the story. We celebrated it last week, right? Like, we know Jesus rises from the dead. It's not a surprise to us. But to them, no idea. Well, there's one idea. Their friend Mary, Mary Magdalene, she comes to them and says, this morning, the craziest thing happened. I saw him. And I can, I can only imagine how that must have felt to them. Like, is that possible? He, he talked, he, he said something about rising, but we thought that was like bread or leavening. Like, it's like, we don't, they didn't get it. And yet I imagine there had to be some level of understanding or expectation in that upper room. Can you put yourself there? In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of the hardest moment, God offers you hope. Can you put yourself there? Where's the thing that just feels devastating to you that you would like God to step into? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at how God stepped into this crisis, this moment for these followers of his. And so we're going to look in the Gospel of John, chapter 20 is where we're going to start. And we're going to read about 11 verses, 19, 19 through 29. And as you guys are pulling that up, if you want to pull it up on your phones, we'll have it on the slides here. Um, or if you have a Bible with you, pull that up. I'm going to tie my shoe while you do that so I don't trip. Very normal stuff we do here. Okay, starting in verse 19. Riley, I appreciate you following along without any notes whatsoever. Um, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, I know some of you have had really hard things in your lives. Moments of crisis that just continue, that snowball. This moment was pretty short-lived for these guys. On the third day, in the upper room, they got to see Jesus again. And they could, like, if I'm thinking them, I'm like, all right, we're going to get back to what we're doing. Jesus is going to be our crew leader. We're going to do it. Like, let's go. Let's do some healing, things like that. But Jesus does something new. Let's go to the next verses. He says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Really nailing that greeting. Um, And he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
The reason I say Jesus is doing something new is he's saying, I was sent. You guys did some different things. I sent you out to do some healing, but now you are being sent just like I was. It is not a small thing that has changed here. The resurrected Jesus says, I'm going to step back. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you and you guys are going to be on the field. Your position is no longer left out. Your position is quarterback, wide receiver. I had to get a sports thing in there somewhere because I started with video games. Um, So how did the Father send Jesus? This feels important. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. This is why we need to read the Gospels. This is why we need to read the Scriptures to know how Jesus was sent so we can be sent in the same way because this was not just for them. Let me tell you, if you were wondering, is this a story just for them? No, it's about them, but it's deeply for us. And so the way Jesus' followers were sent was to proclaim good news, the release of captives, to proclaim the forgiveness of sins, to proclaim that if you continue to be unrepentant for the behavior of yours that harms others, we will con- God will continue to hold you that way. But if you turn away from it, if you ask for forgiveness, it comes. But Jesus was also sent to lay down his life, to lay down everything that he had, all the authority he had, to serve others. So we, were, we are sent in the same way to the point of death on the cross for Jesus. This mission of, that Jesus nails down of, of um, proclaiming the forgiveness of the sins, because there's some stuff in the, the Greek here, essentially saying the sins are already forgiven. If you proclaim it, they're already forgiven. If they, it's already been done by God. You're not doing that. God is doing that. And so your opportunity as my followers is to go proclaim that. That is mission objective 1A. Like that is it for the believers. To be sent by Jesus to proclaim restoration to God. The same is true for you and me, church. For all of us. This is the mission. Now Jesus doesn't leave him alone in it. He says receive the Holy Spirit. If, if you're in our Bible study discussions this week, you know there was a question about, like, does this contradict the Pentecost um, in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit is given to, the fo- to Jesus' and his followers? Uh, to, sorry, from God to Jesus' followers with tongues of fire? Or were there two different givings of the Holy Spirit? What, what's going on here? Best I can tell from reading commentaries, things like that, is that Jesus is closing the loop. John is closing the loop that Jesus started in chapter 14 of John. Um... Can you go to the next slide? Oh, sorry, we did that. Let's keep going. There we go. So in uh, John 14, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And so Jesus in the upper room before the crucifixion says the Holy Spirit is going to come. And this is John without going all the way to Pentecost saying this is what happened. The Holy Spirit was received by the believers. It doesn't need to contradict um, John's writing to an audience. He doesn't go, he's writing to a specific audience that doesn't have acts. And so he needs them to know that the Holy Spirit was given. So this is why it's written this way. Does that make sense? Now, that could be it. We could say, you guys are commissioned. Go forth the way Jesus has sent, was sent by the Father, go be sent. And we could talk about that practically. But there's this like extra narrative that is just a gift to us. Because there wasn't, there was somebody who wasn't there. His name is Thomas, right? And Thomas is so funny. Like, like, did he have an exam that night? 
Was he like stressed out and behind on stuff? Did his kids, did he feel like, oh, I can't go because my kids, like, well, I don't know. But I wonder, this is me wondering. What if he was like, it's not worth it, guys, we're done. This Jesus thing didn't happen, I'm moving on. I don't know, the text doesn't say, but I wonder. When the crisis hit him, did he take the crossroad path of Blockbuster and say, hey, I'm fine with this. But, but his friends, the disciples, find him. They didn't get the chance to text him, right? They'd actually go find him uh, and be like, Thomas, guess what? We saw him. So let's go on and let's read that. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we saw him. We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe He's from Missouri, guys. Um, A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Okay, let's keep going because Thomas's own lack of sureness in what had happened, Jesus knew. And he was willing to meet Thomas in the midst of it. So again, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, which is not just an expression. Like he is proclaiming truth in that. He's not just like, whoa, and then saying that. Um, Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This right here is what gives me the most confidence why that sending that Jesus gives is not just for the disciples. Jesus is like, this thing is going to get bigger. It is going to go longer than the time that I am here, than you seeing me. And this, this, this account here gives me hope in two ways. One, it gives me freedom to doubt. I don't know if you guys feel this, but like if, as you read this passage, like it gives me freedom to ask God, what the heck in the midst of crisis? It gives me freedom to ask God, what are you doing? Can you show me something? I think oftentimes we think, do not put the Lord your God to the test means don't ask questions. It's totally okay to ask God, what are you doing? What is going on? Show up, please. But the other way that this, this narrative gives me a ton of hope is it's about us. JD mentioned this last week on Easter. He said, This passage is about you and me, that there are people, (laughs) there are people that are going to know about the resurrection of Jesus and not just believe that it happened, but believe in the one who resurrected, put hope in him. And that's the church over the last 2,000 years. Those are people who have put our hope in Jesus. But like Jesus said, putting our hope in him also means we are sent by him to live a different way than the world around us, to live a different way than we did before. So Jesus, in the midst of a crisis of God himself dying on a cross, creates renewal. He creates something new. He creates a new mission for these guys. He himself has a new resurrected body. There's something new afoot. Now, what, what, about, what about us? Because this, this is where I want to pivot from the text to like how the text applies to us. And this is, I think, really important is you and I have gone through plenty and are continuing to go through plenty of crises. 
We did not see Jesus die. We didn't have that level of crisis in our life, that level of intense, just what the heck. But we have had a pandemic. We as a church have had leadership crises, crises. Um, people around us are feeling the financial strain of the pandemic and the, the outpouring of that. Society's expectations are changing. Like we would not have been able to fit in this room a couple of years ago because we were, you know, a few years ago, 150 in the armory and we're a lot smaller because people are choosing different things with their time than following God. Like we are in the midst of a cultural crossroads. And so if, um, oh, did I forget? Sorry, war in Europe, global powers puffing up against each other. Like we're doing fine, right? Um, just don't follow the news. Just, anyway, um, in the moment that seemed darkest for the disciples, Jesus showed up. In the moment that seems darkest for you, will you invite Jesus in? Will you say, I don't understand, like Thomas, and will you let God in? And now, this is a little different than that analogy about Nintendo and Blockbuster. And God, there are no bad pivots. It's not like he's like, well, let's try this cross thing. Like, that was part of the plan from the very beginning that God himself would pay for our sins. And so let me, let me offer you guys this phrase. I think I have it um, here. Christ is a crossroads, but in Christ, can we do the next one? Christ precedes renewal. Let me, let me say it this way. In the worst and lowest moments of history, when things seemed crazy, in the 1960s, when the Cold War was at its height and things were crazy, the Jesus movement comes about. And people wonder, what is going on in the world? And revival happened because crisis preceded renewal. Now, I'm borrowing this phrase from a pastor in Australia. His name is Mark Sayers. I think he's a brilliant understander and like reader of culture. And he, he said this again and again, crisis precedes renewal renewal. And I don't know if you guys feel this way. I, I feel like this is so hard in a classroom because I just want to see you guys. And I just want to look at like, do you guys want to be made new? Do you like, does the world kind of suck sometimes? Like, do the things that like we feel like are bad, are we, are we so numb to them that we're comfortable with them? Are you guys comfortable with buildings being shelled? Are you guys comfortable with people dying in poverty? Are you guys comfortable with that? Are you guys comfortable with people dying because they don't know their Savior? The crisis that we're in, we have the opportunity to lean into what God has for us and seek renewal alongside what God, who God has, what God has for us. We as a church, I think, have the opportunity right now from this room, and I love that we're in a completely different space, like have the opportunity to lean into renewal. We all crave it, but there's this tension. There's this Switchfoot song. You're starting to date me now if you think Nintendo Wii, Blockbuster, and Switchfoot. Like, you can figure out the carbon dating on my age now. Um, I love Switchfoot. I love John Foreman. I think he's one of the best songwriters of our day, like legitimately. And he, he wrote, they wrote this song years ago. It was one of their first hits. It was called I Dare You to Move. And there's this line, the tension is here between who you are and who you could be between how it is and how it should be. And let me tell you, that tension exists and we try to get to it all over the place. We try to get to it across that tension with good systems, good government, with 
serving people, being nice to one another. Let me tell you, the thing that stands in the gap between what is and what should be is the cross. That's the only way true renewal will come about is through Jesus. And I think there's two ways that, that John Foreman so eloquently puts that we have, see, that we can see renewal. The first, um, can you go back to the personal renewal? I know it's like way back. Personal renewal. This is what Jesus is inviting people to do, to proclaim good news to the captives, to the hurting, and say, you can be renewed in Jesus. And let me tell you, if, if you've never made that decision to ask God to renew your heart, it's simple. God, I am a wreck. I'm a mess without you. I need you. Jesus, would you help me? And if you've made that decision, that prayer is still probably pretty good for you. Do any of you feel just like weary and tired and worn down? Are you in need of renewal? Because I am. Even if it's just because of screaming kids and the world around me is fine, like I still feel like I'm in need of renewal. But then there's also this other layer of how it is and how it should be. This personal, this societal renewal. And personal renewal leads to societal renewal. When God's people recognize that they are God's and they are called to a mission, they're the people who start to affect the change. God's people have brought about things that just feel like duh to us now. Like children have dignity. We don't just throw children on the street if we don't want them because God gave them dignity and we are acknowledging that and living into that and made a society built with that. We believe in education. Like God's people are huge in helping establish and continue education in specific ways. Many of our major universities, these colleges started because God's people said we want to educate people. Harvard, Yale, these were started as divinity schools to educate people in the ways of following God. Hospitals. How many hospitals do you see have St. Mary's, St. whatever, like they are God's people who started these institutions and the secular is following. God's people have the opportunity to bring out about renewal. And I don't know what that renewal you will bring is, but I'm excited about it. Like I'm, this is, it's really exciting. And that's why we're here. Like we as a church are here, like why I've stuck around until uh, 36 um, is why our staff, why JD's here. Um, like why we're here is because we want to help you guys be renewed people who are trained to follow Jesus on this campus and then to go forth. Like that's why we're here. That's why we came to your small groups. That's why Nick and I came to your small groups. We could talk about like, hey, commit to the church. Like, but we're not interested in like numbers committed to a church. We're interested in training people to be renewers of society, renewers of the world, people who proclaim newness and goodness to our world. Are you guys tracking with this? It's so hard in a classroom because I'm just like amped and I'm feeling it. I don't know if you guys are not, but I don't, I don't care if you feel it. I care that you believe that God is inviting you to be a renewer. So as I think about what we have before us as, as a ministry, as a church, um, some of you are graduating. I'm like super bummed. Like, I don't even... but that means we get to send you guys. We get to send you to go be renewers in other places. Like, this is so exciting. But for those of you who are going to be with us next year, can I talk about some ways that I could see some renewal in our midst? Some things that could be really cool. All right, let's go. Renewal of community. Um, this thing has just taken a hit 
in the last couple of years. And I'm so thankful to our elder board for saying we want to be in person as soon as possible because this matters. Sharing life, hugging, holding hands in prayer, being together, it matters. But I think we can go beyond. Like I see renewal in such beautiful ways. And I don't mean to look to the past to idolize it, but to cast vision for a future. Some of you are going to be living together with one of the others in iLife. Consider yourself a hub for ministry. Dig into community together. Share life in ways that aren't just for the convenience of living together with a friend, but deep shared conflict and resolving of conflict. We, we used to have an era of houses in a line of life where people would just choose to live together by very intentionally, um, sometimes agreeing to share finances and like, hey, we're all going to put into some money and we're going to buy food out of that bu- grocery budget together. We're going to share meals. We're going to cook dinner for one another. Like there are ways that don't seem like very Christian in their community building, but establish something really beautiful for the church and for the world. Like it is compelling when they see God's people not just living together, but living together with beautiful intention towards one another. I think renewed community also, I have no idea. You guys are, you guys are the people who are going to do it. But like it could look um, like really deeply sharing life in ways that just is striking to our world. Everybody's yearning for like some level of intimacy, but we're more scared of it than we've been, I think, because of, well, I don't know, do they have COVID? I don't know, we're supposed to, like we learned we're not supposed to be by people. And like, we just need to lean into it. Okay, I gotta keep going because I could talk along in this. How about renewed vision, renewal of vision? <laughs> Man, I should have started with this. But guys, we want to train our church to see what God is up to around the globe. Don't get me wrong. I believe in campus church planting. We are a part of a network of churches on college campuses. And I think we need to send trainers to other campuses. But what if we started to grab onto that vision that we would be a part of that? That we'd be a part of sending what we do to other campuses that don't have churches? What if we would be part of telling you, hey, do you know about this thing that God's doing over here and this thing that God's doing over there? There's an alumni, a friend of mine, um, his name's Tim. He works for a water organization um, that brings clean water to people. Um, Nepal had an earthquake a long time ago. I don't remember what it's at, but he was on the ground bringing the gospel and bringing clean water to people. Like, do you know that there's so many ways you can use your degree to serve the kingdom of God? I want you to see that vision. I want you to be asking those questions. Where might God be sending me? But before you're sent, we need to train you. And I don't think we're the like end all be all in training, but like this is a training ground. So this is the place. Now is the time. Ask every question you have. This is something I've been thinking about a lot of my life. Like, life is too short to not ask the question. Just ask the question. Wait, why do we think that? Wait, why, why do we teach that thing? Just ask. Like, why does the Bible say this? Don't, don't sit on the questions. Ask the questions, because that's how you're going to be trained to follow Jesus for a lifetime. Because that's what we are. We want to inspire you to a lifetime of faithful service, and it starts here. <laughs> And then I mentioned like renewed vision for what God be doing, can be doing all sorts of places. Let me talk about renewal for, for mission here. Luke says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The laborers are few. And every day at 10.02, because it's Luke 10.02, my alarm goes off my watch and says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Because Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. And I've been praying for that. And I, I don't, it's a long, laborious prayer. Every time a new staff person comes to another church somewhere else, I think, praise God. Like, that's an answer to that prayer. Because a lot of people pray that prayer. You go to Christian conferences at 10.02, it's like, ding, 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 all over the place. Because we're doing it. 
then maybe you are a laborer. While you're here, you're a laborer. Like you can be a small group leader. You can serve coffee. You can help make sound happen here in this room or whatever room we're in. You can lead worship on the fly in a different room than you thought you were going to in the morning when you woke up. Like that's what a laborer does by helping the church exist to worship God and invite other people into that. So whether you're somebody who's like, that's really compelling and I want to stay and be on staff. Or you're somebody who's like, that's really compelling. I don't want to do staff. I love engineering, but you want to stay or you want to be somebody who's a laborer who's sent somewhere else. Like consider that reality. Like that you are God's people in that place. And let me offer you one more area of renewal. Urgency. If the world in around us has told us anything right now, has taught us anything, now is the time. Now is the time. And I don't mean that to like, but like, we were sitting, uh, our staff team was sitting in the basement of the University Baptist Church on March, whatever, like 15th for a um, Religious Workers Association meeting. And we said, ha, like, cool, we're going to go online for a couple weeks. Let's try this streaming thing. Let's see how it goes. What, what, two years later, we're here. Like, and so much has changed. Like, let's act now. Like, let's be urgent because we don't know what will happen. People, like, we are all going to die. People will die and you don't know when. Or do you feel that urgency to invite people to the kingdom of God? Things will change where you won't be able to do the thing that you thought you were able to do very quickly. Do you feel that urgency? I'm not saying that stuff to scare you, but like it's exciting. Like there's an urgency about what God's doing. It helps bring clarity to what is important to me. Now, I say all this and I get excited about it, but our semester's coming to an end. <laughs> we diaspora, we spread out during the summer and we do that. So let me invite you, if you're thinking about where you're going to be, be here with us. Like, come here and be here with us this summer. We do summer church on Wednesdays. Like, we're going to do worship. We're going to do other community things. We're going to build up, like, the community. Um, build up the church. Um, some of you are going to, to Colorado for the summer um, to be trained there at our leadership training program. The application deadline closed yesterday, so you won't hear that from me. Um, and wherever you go, I invite you, read God's word. You can read the New Testament in a summer super easy, like three chapters a day. Find a church where you're going. Engage with those people there. And then put on your calendar, get your phone out now. August 14th begins move-in week. August 14th. That's when international students and new students starts to fill our campus. And you start to return. But all you guys who return, like it's so easy to naturally return like the last day possible. But like I invite you, make the complicated sacrifice to come back earlier so we can be welcomers. Well, I don't have the details for it. I don't have any dates. I just tell you, April 4th, or sorry, August 14th is when that starts. I don't know when we'll start our work exactly, but like we want to be welcomers, proclaimers of renewal on our campus. Okay. Let me bring it back um, to this. Crisis precedes renewal, but Jesus brings about renewal in you and in our society. So let me invite you to be renewed by Jesus. Even as you worship today, I wonder if you need to pray and ask God, would you restore me? Would you make something new, better in me? Would you help me pay attention to what you're doing and leading me to to be a renewer of those around me? And much like those in that upper room who sat and had no idea what God was going to do with them, 
No idea. They're like, hey, he needs some fish so he can really eat something cool, physical. Like, that's cool. They had no idea that many of them would die. All of them but one would die for the cause of Jesus. They had no idea where the gospel would extend. They thought the ends of the earth was like Spain. But the gospels extended far beyond there. They had no idea, but they, they stood in the renewal that God had for them. And I want you to do the same. Would you guys pray with me?